You're listening to The LaunchCast, the podcast about leadership, business, life, and growth with me, your host, George Andriopoulos. It's like food for your ears. Time to pay some bills. Who's next, Fabrizio? Ladder? Yeah, hit that gym music, buddy. Yeah, it's good. This episode is sponsored by Ladder. Ladder was founded by LeBron James, the man himself, and Arnold Schwarzenegger to change the way that supplements are made. They worked with the top scientists to formulate a line of clean performance products, and unlike other supplements, every single batch is tested by a third party to verify the highest standards for quality and safety. Now, even before they approached me about a sponsorship, I used Ladder. I'm in the middle of a fast right now, and I wanted to make sure that I was getting all of my vitamins daily, and I started drinking their superfood green drink, and it is incredible. You have to try it. Hopefully, I could ball like LBJ after this is done, too. Ladder's goal is to help you unlock your best in any situation. Right now, that means access to special offers and expert advice from their community. Use code Better Every Day for thirty percent off of everything site wide at ladder.sport. That's Better Every Day for thirty percent off at ladder.sport. Drink up, guys. At this time, I'm going to ask that you fasten your seatbelts. Launch sequence. Launch sequence activated. Launch sequence activated. Five, four, three, two, one. Hey, hey, everybody. Welcome to the launch cast. The storm is coming, but I'm prepared. Oh, I love this song. I'll be gone for a while, but don't be scared. Episode 121 entitled So Let's Dance. The Last Dance. That's right. We are talking about The Last Dance tonight, and it is going to be a good one. It's your boy, the launch dad himself, George Andriopoulos, bringing you your favorite podcast as the beat drops. Into the black hole. What is happening, everybody? Thank you for joining me today on episode 121. We are talking about some incredible stuff tonight in leadership. Of course, that encompasses leadership, life, business, and growth. And we're talking about all of that because it's my show. And I'm in my basement studio right now. I'm not in my real studio. And I'll talk about whatever the hell I want to. And so welcome to another quarantine episode of the LaunchCast today. As you can see, I am decked out, for those watching on the YouTube channel, I am decked out in full Bulls regalia tonight. That's right, full Bulls regalia because I am so excited at The Last Dance episodes three and four coming on later on today. Um and that's what we're going to be talking about today. But first, I want to I want to touch a little bit on what's been going on this week. You know, talk a little little life with you guys. 
little quarantine life, of course. It is another week. It is week, I don't even know, 722 of this um, this quarantine, this stay-at-home stuff, which is keeping us all safe. And, you know, I don't want to just keep fixating on this as a topic just because it's easy to talk about it. But, man, it is nuts that this is still going on. This is going to be just a, a completely new normal for us once this is all over. I don't know if it's officially over, if you know what I'm saying. We are in the midst of a really crucial time period in our lives. There is going to be a lot of permanent change going forward after this. And again, that's not what this episode is about. But I would be remiss if I didn't talk about the current state of what's happening right now. You know what I mean? I owe it to you guys, my people. I don't even know. What do you call launch? What do you call launch cast fans? Casters? Launch casters? Who, who knows? I'm not going to have a name for you guys. You're just fans, both of you. <laughs> both both that are listening to the podcast right now. No, no, we have followers. Come on. We're in over 25 countries, according to the charts, according to the numbers, the analytics that I check every week, every day, every hour of the day. <laughs> um, but, yeah, this is, this is the new normal. And, you know, I was, before we get into the last dance talks, I was really – Focusing on this before, I was just doing some social media for the business, and um, I had a shot a video when I stopped in the earlier in the office earlier this week. I shot a video of um, of me turning the lights on and snapping my fingers as if as if by magic, right? And I realized that I had gone to the office twice this week just in my in my spare time just to pick up mail. And I literally run in for two seconds. I haven't unlocked my private office door in <laughs> weeks, I think. Probably weeks since I unlocked it. And, uh, yeah, you know, I I have an office that's just not being used right now. And, you know, all the work is getting done from home, which is great. But uh, it's weird, right, just to think, like, I have this whole business, multiple businesses that run out of this space, the Launchpad office, and it's not even getting used. But I'm still able to run my businesses at home, you know, and have people working from home. And that's pretty cool in and of itself. And it really is telling, right, of what's going on right now. It's really telling of the fact that we really need to reassess our resources going forward. We need to decide what's important to us as everything opens up again, whether it's the coming weeks, months, whatever. I don't want to say years because that's crazy talk. But, you know, how do we not reassess right now as we are creating a new normal in our lives? You know, if, if there was by magic a way to just flick the switch right now, everybody's back to work tomorrow. Everything's open. Do you even want to go back? For a lot of reasons, you know, number one, are you going to be scared to go back, which I know I'm super nervous about just getting back out there again and going back to my old life of just, you know, having the ability to walk around without a mask on and <laughs> shake people's hands and hug them and have a regular meeting, go out to dinner with my family. It's, um, you know, it's scary to think about that. But even more so than that, it's like, you know, you had this whole experience of 
being able to operate as a business, at least for my business, that's the truth. I was able to operate during this time period as a business owner. I didn't really have to change that much other than telling everybody to stay home and, you know, doing Zoom meetings from my house and setting up a studio here in my basement temporarily. Um, You know, and that's pretty cool. I guess that's telling of the business that I built and how I built it, you know, in order to be mobile and and I can run it from anywhere and that's awesome. But at the same time, it's like you go back and you go, can I justify paying rent in my in my big office and and all these other expenses that go along with running a business when we were just able to run it on bare bones at almost the same level, you know? Aside from having a, a nice meeting space to go to, it was pretty much almost the same level. And so, you know, these are the things we have to think about. These are these are the things that that run through the launch dad's mind as I lay awake going uh, treasure hunting, as my wife calls it, when I get on my phone and just start shopping at midnight. It's my thing. When I can't sleep, I just go on eBay and Amazon and just shop. And then we wind up with 50 deliveries in the next three days, which is awesome. But we're not going to talk about that right now. Um, but, yeah, so that's that's the state of what's going on right now. I had a great week. Um you know, a lot of family time, a lot of time outside in the garage. I had to force myself into a hobby of uh, actually resurrecting an old hobby of working on cars and had to force myself to do that and, and get out into the garage and just be with myself with some music on, getting dirty, getting under a car. You know, that was that was a really therapeutic activity for me this week and just getting out of my own (laughs) quarantine head as we are all in right now. And I see a lot of posts about this on, on social media and and I'm feeling for everybody out there that's just in a weird place. But, you know, as I've been saying, we will get through it. And the other hobby that I've had, of course, which is what I'm going to be talking about during this episode, and it's not going to be a long one, guys. However long it goes, it goes. That's that's basically what's going to happen tonight. We're going to talk about this very exciting doc, 10-part documentary that premiered last week, The Last Dance on ESPN. Incredible. Incredible documentary. First two episodes aired last Sunday, and the next two episodes are airing tonight, and uh, which is... Sunday the 26th, I guess. Wow. Can't even keep track of dates anymore. But what an incredible documentary this was. Talk about leadership, man. You know, those that know me know I am not only a lifelong Bulls fan, but of course, when we talk leadership, when we talk phenomena, when we talk public figures, I have to shout out my man, MJ. Number 23, the GOAT, Michael Jordan, for not only inspiring a generation, when you talk about my generation that was growing up in the 80s when Jordan started playing, and he, man, he was the one that just made me fall in love with basketball. And growing up in a house where my dad was a a Knicks and Jets fan, right, Um, you know, you're you're kind of... uh, in that place where you know you got to like those teams because that's what your dad likes, right? But then 
Then I saw a Bulls game, Bulls Knicks, and I remember just seeing Jordan and just the the phenomenon that he was, just flying through the air and doing incredible things. And you know, it's for a little kid, it's just eye catching. It's like you can't stop staring at it. And from that moment on, not only did I fall in love with basketball, my favorite sport to watch, but um, you know, the Bulls and MJ at large, you know, and just following them since I could probably remember 1980. So Jordan was drafted in 84, but I was five (laughs) when he was drafted. So I think it was like 87, 88 when I really started watching the Bulls and really started getting into watching basketball lightly back then. And then, of course, as time went on, um, you know, Pippen Jordan, the team, and the, the Bulls' first three-peat, 91, 92, 93, uh, beating the Blazers and the Suns. And, oh, man, incredible, incredible. Just, uh, wow, what a, what a team to watch in your youth. What, what a bar that sets for a kid as a sports fan to go, all right, well, this is what I'm used to now. You know, imagine being a kid, and then through the end of high school, by the time I um, was in my first year of college, I had witnessed the Bulls win six championships under Phil Jackson and with Michael Jordan, Scottie Pippen. Players like Michael Jordan, Scottie Pippen, um, Dennis Rodman, John Paxson, Steve Kerr, Bill Cartwright, Horace Grant, B.J. Armstrong, Man, the list goes on. Tony Kukoc, um, some of the centers that the the, the Bulls had in their second three-peat uh, backup centers. They had, uh, <laughs> man, they had John. They had John Sally from the from the Pistons. Uh, they had James Edwards. They had uh, the chief, the chief from the Celtics. I mean, Bill. Uh, um, they had Parrish, uh, like. Are you kidding me? Some of the the names that went through that team and, and to watch those growing up as a kid and seeing that that's the norm now for my basketball team to win six championships, you know, throughout those years was like what a shock it was when it was all over, when Jordan retired and and Pippen left the Bulls and Phil Jackson stopped coaching the Bulls and the team was broken apart to go, oh, okay, this is reality now. This is now what I have to look forward to is to to just watch sports and not see my team win every year, <laughs> you know, with uh, with with just a a a roster that was, you know, one of the greatest rosters of all time in terms of that second three peat. But, um, you know, and so being a Bulls insider all those years was was interesting, you know, being being a fan of the team, especially if a, a Chicago fan in New York, you know, knowing some of the ins and outs. But now, years later, you know, these stories come out. You hear about their championships run, championship runs, about uh, some of the problems that went on uh, internally, you know, in terms of the team struggles and, um, you know, management versus players versus coaches. And you're like, oh, wow, this is all interesting. But ESPN has put together this 10-part documentary that premiered last week called The Last Dance. And it is about the 97-98 Bulls team, their final championship run, where 
the team was um, on their last legs, not in terms of talent or age, but in terms of being together. Um, it was really dictated at the beginning of the season that that would be the last season that that team was together. They were going to be broken apart in order to begin the rebuild in Chicago, which to me is the most insane thing, but we're going to get into that conversation. But this doc so far has lived up to the hype for me. I mean, the first two episodes, the first one focused on Jordan, of course. And I think every episode, for the most part, is going to touch back to some part of Jordan's life. But uh, for focus on Jordan for the most part, a little bit of the backstory of what happened with management with Jerry Krause, who was the GM, and, and Jerry Reinsdorf. Um, and then the second episode focusing on Scottie Pippen, who was so integral in, in those championship teams. You know, you always hear Jordan say, no matter where he is, whether it's in that dock, whether it was Jordan's Hall of Fame acceptance speech, that first sentence of his speech was, you never saw me up there on those videos alone. You always saw Scottie Pippen with me. You know, they always called Scottie Pippen the Robin to Jordan's Batman, and I thought it was so important to that he acknowledged not his sidekick but his partner in those championships. You know what I mean? I mean, the 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 greatest one-two punch in the history of the NBA. Hands down. You can argue with me all you want, but Scottie Pippen and Michael Jordan were the greatest one-two punch in the history of the NBA. And so far, so far what this documentary has revealed is that, you know, you had a bunch of leaders on a team in different ways, right? We'll talk about that 97-98 that team specifically here and for those of you that aren't sports fans you got to stick with me here because this is such an incredible story of leadership and how to lead and when you look at an organization management of the organization management of the people within the organization it really parallels and that's what I always try and do when we do this podcast is we try to parallel a lot of those stories that we hear from leaders that we interview. And God, I wish I was interviewing MJ. That would have been amazing. But it's not in the cards right now for this podcast. Although we did almost have Ben Gordon. We had Ben Gordon from the 2000s Bulls teams committed, who was a great player himself, but he backed out of the interview. I don't want to talk about that right now. Maybe we'll get him back one day. Um But you have a guy like Jordan, right, who is just the center of the NBA in all the years that he played. The guy was, he was the man, deemed the greatest of all time. Argue with me all you want. It's true. You can't compare eras, but Jordan is the greatest of all time. Is LeBron up there? Hell yeah. Is Kobe up there? Hell yeah. Bill Russell, Will Chamberlain, hell yeah, hell yeah. Of course, pound for pound, Jordan, greatest of all time. So you have this guy who, when you realize the gravity of this person that's leading your organization from a player standpoint, now you look at it as a business, you have your management, and then you have your key employees. This guy's the key. This guy's the future of this organization, this franchise, bringing them into the quan the dollars, the reputation, the Bulls before Jordan came to the team were a joke. 
a joke of a team. Then all of a sudden, you talk about big, big market teams now, Chicago's in that conversation with L.A., with New York. Of course they're a big market. But back then it was, you know, it was the Bears, it was the Cubs, it was, you know, that's all that Chicago had. Even the Blackhawks were a bigger team than the Bulls. Nobody went to Bulls games. Now all of a sudden this guy comes, he transforms not only the game, but your organization. And so, okay, you put it all on Jordan's back. And then as a, as management, you build a team around him. And so Jerry Krause, who was the general manager of the Bulls, he builds this team around Michael Jordan. He builds this team out of this young kid drafted after his third year at UNC under the tutelage of the amazing Dean Smith. And you know this guy's going to be special. Even though he was drafted third in that lot in that draft lottery, but I won't even get into that. All right. Uh, I get it. Akeem, Sam Bowie, right. I get it. But still, number three, come on. Are you kidding me? Anyway, you build a team around him. You start putting the pieces together. You, and then you get Scotty. Now lightning struck twice. You have Scotty Pippen, this guy from the University of Central Arkansas, who was like a nothing I think he started college at like 5'10 and then had growth spurts in college where he jumped to 6'1 and then jumped to 6'7 in his first two years of college. And this guy becomes one of the greatest point forwards of all time. I have to say one of the greatest because when you talk about LeBron, although I don't think LeBron's a point forward. He's a, a forward that can run the ball, of course. You know, you have Magic, of course, who could play any position. But Scotty was one of the greatest point forwards of all time. He had the length to play big, and he had the speed and the ball handling to play small. And when you have a guy like that and you create a one-two punch, because athletically in their primes, Scotty and Michael could do the same things. Scotty could jump, soar, just like Michael. And now you put these two guys together and you build a franchise essentially around the two of them. Even though Michael was the guy, you realize that lightning is struck. And so Jerry Krause builds the first 3P team, which was, you know, you have John Pax in there, you have Bill Cartwright, you have Horace Grant, and, uh, you know, uh, the... There's other guys that were there. There were there was B.J. Armstrong. There was um, there, there was a whole bunch of players, right? And that was a good team. Don't get me wrong. That was a great, great team. Unbelievable team. They beat some some killer teams, and they really took their lumps, you know, with Detroit for a couple of years, and and beating the Lakers and the Celtics, and you know, just incredible incredible talent but then Jordan takes his little hiatus for a year and a half to go play baseball and then he comes back at the end of the 95 season the 94-95 season gets his feet wet again wasn't the Jordan of old for a second there because he was in baseball shape not basketball shape and then and then 
the next campaign starts, the 95-96 campaign. And they played Seattle that year in the championships, and then it was Utah and Utah again. And you're talking about they bring in Dennis Rodman. They have Luke Longley is their starting center. They got Dennis and Scotty. And then they got Michael and Ron Harper. And Ron Harper was a super athletic uh, guard, point guard. Um, Very similar body style and rhythm as Jordan, but obviously um, was on the backfield there. He was on the back nine of his career and couldn't move like that anymore, but really athletic guy as well. And then you have on the bench, you have Steve Kerr, you have Bill Wennington, um, Judd Bushler. uh, You had... uh, Man, you, you had some some really talented guys. Jason Caffey, I mean, really, really talented guys. I, I'll never forget those teams. And you're talking about teams that broke records. They went 72-10. and 10. They had, before the Warriors beat out this record, they had the greatest record of all time. Shattered it. They won 72 games and lost 10 in an 82-game season. It's incredible. And so Jerry Krause was doing his job. But then what they talk about during the last dance is they start talking about how Jerry Krause, as a GM, he had sort of a chip on his shoulder being he had like Napoleon syndrome, small guy syndrome, right? And he was always getting beat on and and ragged on by the guys and um, not a super likable guy, really good at what he did. Guy was a scout by nature. He was a baseball scout, he was a basketball scout, and then subsequently – you know, moved from baseball to basketball and became the GM of the Bulls and really did a phenomenal job all those years. But what was starting to happen was not only did the landscape change in terms of the game, it changed in terms of the business of the game, the contracts. Um, Michael Jordan, for the better part of his career in the 90s, was making like $4 million a year. And you're talking about guys now are signing like, you know, $170, $180 million contracts. And this guy, Jordan, was making $4 million a year. Well, the last couple of years Jordan played, he got paid. He's making like 30-something million a year. Back then was insane in the in the late 90s, mid-late 90s. But you have now the GM is clashing with coaches and players. He approached Phil Jackson who wasn't even supposed to coach that last year, but through the intervention of Jerry Reinsdorf, the owner, he got him signed for one more year. And Jerry Krause approached him and said, this is the last year. This team is done after this. I don't care if you win 82 games straight. This team will never play together again. And Phil Jackson said, okay, if that's what it is, that's what it is. Fine with me, you know. If if I'm not wanted here, then fine, I'll go. You know, I don't need this anymore. I don't need this anymore at all. And so similarly, there was an issue with Scottie Pippen coming back that last year. The Bulls had signed him for a long-term contract. I think it was like a $16 million seven-year contract. 
in the early 90s to lock him in. And it was it was like a job security contract for Pippen. But now you're talking about, for many years, probably the number two guy in the league behind Jordan or close to it. Top 50 NBA player of all time. Second leading scorer on the Bulls. Second in rebounds. So now you're talking second leading scorer behind Jordan, the greatest scorer of all time. Second in rebounds behind Dennis Rodman, one of the greatest rebounders, if not pound for pound, the greatest rebounder of all time. Number one in assists. Number one in steals. Number one or number two in minutes played. Number six on the Bulls in salary. Number 122 in the entire league in salary. And so Scotty had a chip on his shoulder about salary, and the Bulls had a policy of not renegotiating contracts. And he was done. He was fed up, and they had all kinds of problems with him. Uh, you know, those of you that haven't watched it, you got to watch this and see the details. But I want to look at this from a leadership standpoint. When you have different levels of an organization with leadership, at each level, you know, you have management, you have ownership. There's Jerry Reinsdorf is the owner who as an owner actually really deferred decision-making to Jerry Krause as the GM, which was honestly is, is a good thing. Uh, in this situation, maybe not so good because he was responsible for breaking apart the greatest team of all time when they had a couple of years left in them. But um, you don't see that a lot, you know, See, a lot of people complain about Jerry Jones as the owner of the, the Cowboys or back when Steinbrenner was the, when he was alive and owned the Yankees, you know, just complete control and uh, not deferring control to their GMs, you know, really making the decisions for the team in terms of personnel, which isn't the best thing for an owner sometimes. But Jerry Reinsdorf did the right thing. Now you have Jerry Krause as the leader uh, in management, right, the general manager of the team and it was tough to watch, you know, even though he had these scouting abilities and these skills to put together an unbelievable team and a very smart GM mind, and he knew how to build a team. He wasn't a people person, and he didn't, he didn't gel with these players. Now, you got to understand, too, these players are millionaires. These players are larger than life. They're public figures. And so there's a certain way of operating around a public figure. I don't think he put up the leadership that he should have in that situation because he just wanted to, I guess, leave the shadows of Jordan and Jackson and Pippen and sort of build success without them to show people, I, I didn't just get lucky. I can do this. Then you have Jordan. Well, no, below, uh, below Kraus. And then you have the coach, Phil Jackson, who had this zen-like approach to not only coaching but managing his players. You know, he shut out all the noise, or at least he tried to. He had a huge dispute with management over his contract, over how to handle the year going forward. And, you know, he handled it, I think, with poise from a leadership perspective as the coach of the team because he used it to fuel his players. Hey, listen, enjoy this. This is the last dance. That name, the last dance, comes from Phil Jackson. When they got their playbooks at the beginning of the 97-98 season, it 
had right on the cover the last dance because they knew it was going to be the last year. Now you have Jordan and Pippen and the rest of the players, and Jordan is Jordan. Jordan's going to lead. Jordan had to put the team on his back for the first few months because Scotty having a contract dispute with management he put off surgery that he should have had over the summer to stick it to the team. And he wound up having that surgery at the beginning of the season and he missed a few months. And so then Jordan had to put the whole team on his back, which is hard. You know, you're already a guy that's, or that's averaging 30 points a game, 28 to 30 points a game. And now you got to put up 35, 40, but more assists and, and more ball handling and, and really, you know, being the magician, to make this happen, to get some wins, to keep that same winning mentality, that same winning culture you've always had in Chicago. And so that was tough from a leadership perspective, but he did the right thing. I don't think Scotty, I think Scotty did the right thing for him personally and for his family, but at the same time, you know, things could have been done a little bit differently in order to be the leader that you should have been on the team along with Jordan. You know, you want to be compared to Jordan. You want to be on that level as you were as a player, of course. You need to walk the walk, too. You need to lead no matter what. Those years that Jordan was making $4 million a year, I never heard a peep about salary from him. Granted, probably because he was making like $60 million a year off of endorsements, but hey, I'm just a humble launch dad on the launch cast, right? What do I know? And so, yeah, so this this documentary for me, I'm so excited to jump into this tonight and just watch more of it because uh, it is just so incredible. There's more of the story coming out now. There's, uh, I think, tonight's episode, the first one's going to be about Dennis Rodman. I can't wait to see where they go with that in the next episode. And so if you want to see an example of the unconventional journey to leadership, you have to check out this doc ESPN every Sunday night. I'm sure they have them on demand for the ones that you've missed. You have to check it out. It's called The Last Dance. Research these bulls. Research the leadership of Phil Jackson. I'll get into this during one of our regular episodes, of course, right now during COVID-19 and these quarantine episodes. We're trying to keep guests off of the show. We can't have anybody live in studio. And, you know, I'm a big fan of doing in-studio interviews as opposed to the Skype interviews. And so I'm only organizing interviews via Skype when they're absolutely necessary and we don't have any in-studio options. And so during these in-between episodes, I'm just going to be talking to you. We're going to make them a little shorter, a little easier to digest, a little easier to manage, and, you know, go from there. But, yeah, check out this documentary. Unbelievable when you look at leadership in this organization, the different levels of leadership and kind of break it down. And yeah. And for a sports fan, ugh, it's a dream come true. It's uh, I remember watching all these different VHS documentaries and DVD documentaries when I was younger, any bulls doc that came out, I always like snatched up and I'd watch it like 50 times at home. But this is, this is like every Jordan documentary and video and every bulls doc and video combined into one and oh man amazing amazing you got to check it out really incredible stuff but um i'm gonna wrap it up guys i've been the launch dad george andriopoulos bringing you another episode of the launch cast and i will keep doing that for you every single week 
no matter what, I'm going to try and bring you some more guests. But like I said, I'd rather save them for in-studio. But, you know, if this is going to be more long-term than we thought, then, hey, we'll set up some Skype stuff. I'm not above that. We got to do what we got to do, right? So, guys, thank you for joining me. Stay safe out there. Stay home. This, too, shall pass. We will get past this. Have a good night, guys. Launch sequence terminated. Into the black hole. Thanks for listening to the LaunchCast today. Please make sure to subscribe to this feed wherever podcasts are available. Follow me, George Andriopoulos, at Launchpad CEO on Facebook, Twitter, or Instagram. And make sure to visit our website, guys, thelaunchcast.com. Looking forward to the next episode. See you soon, guys.